Amen. So let's make our declaration this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Something like that. Amen. (laughs) Hey, it's Father's Day. I can do anything I want. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is so good. He is so good. Amen. If you have your Bibles up, open to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And just before we do that, we have a couple of clips we're going to pray for you this morning. But we just want to take the first one just to let you know that we honor our dads. And so the message I have in my heart today is, what kind of men does God need? How many know in our culture today, we need men? The saddest thing about what's happening in our nation today is the demasculation of manhood and the tearing down of men and fathers and the home and uh, what that means to culture. Amen. So I'm going to preach a counter-culture message. I'm totally counter to the culture of this age. The Word of God is totally counter. You are a counter-culture person. When people say you're counter-culture, say thank you. Amen. I am because God's Word is totally counter-opposite to the culture of this day. Amen. I mean, you can identify as anything that you want, but you either have a X or a Y chromosome. You're either male or female. You, you can take it anywhere you want from there, but you, you cannot change biology. Amen. So in a culture that's trying to do that and moving that way, it's so important that we understand that we are counterculture. And it's so important that we understand that there's specific kind of men that God is looking for. And I believe they are the same kind of men he has always needed, men who give the devil nightmares. Amen. God's looking for men who just give the devil nightmare. That's men who believe God. We talked about it yesterday in, in, at our men's breakfast. And we talked about just having reckless faith. Faith without caution. Amen. And we talked about Peter being on, on, in the boat and Jesus coming in the water in Matthew 14. And uh, how many know when you're in a storm and somebody comes walking you on the water, it's cool that they're out there. But you might be a little cautious about getting out to join them. But that's where the provision is, that's where the miracle is, and that's where your answer is. It's outside of your security, your caution realm of security. And so to be a man of God, a man of faith, you're going to have to be a little reckless and move beyond your points of caution. Amen? Amen? So, uh, but thank God for great men and uh, for what God's doing. But this morning, we just want to begin by just saying a little clip to honor our fathers. Go ahead, guys, play that first one.
Amen. Thank you, fathers. Amen. Amen. I mean, we live in a society that, uh, uh, when you think about it, and it's really hard, over half of our families are broken homes. And that means that that puts a strain on the relationship between fathers and children. And uh, so that makes getting over that hump sometimes a little difficult. And I don't know about you, all of us when we were kids thought our parents needed a brain transplant. And then we grow up and have kids and we realize they were smarter than we thought. Amen. And then we thought, man, I wish I could help them do it right. And then they, we get kids and we go, man, I wish I knew how to do it right. And so there's something about that. I'll never forget one person said, there must have been something wrong with us to, to want to act like God and to create something in our own image. Because <laughs> then they grow up and you're fully convinced you didn't make that. Amen. And so, so, so being a father, being a parent is a great challenge, but it's one of the greatest joys in life. And many of you may, might be like me. Maybe you came from a broken home, and maybe that father-son relationship, father-daughter relationship wasn't what it should be in that. So for me, I was one out. And how, how many know all of your kids have their own personality? Amen. And my brother and I are totally different. So I'm always one that go out and find somebody. And so when, when my dads weren't available or around, then I'd just go find old dudes. Because I found out that old guys just like to talk to people. And they like to share what they know with people. So I went, a lot of the things I learned in life, I learned just go, by, by going out and adopting and uh, to, just trying not to live with a void in my life. But then my brother has a different personality with him. So we were both affected differently by the challenges we faced growing up. And that happens to all of us. And so days like today are sensitive days or joyous days. A whole spectrum of emotions come with them. But when we just become the men that God wants. Amen? In our lives. And I, I've tried to do that, not to be negative. And, and I found this a long time ago. And, and it might help you some today. People can only give what they have. And when you expect more from them than what they have, then you get discouraged. Because that brings us into a place called unmet expectations. Amen? And, 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 when, I, and, and when my expectations of somebody else go unmet, then I get discouraged in that. But, but I found out, even going back to my real father, who, who left our life when I was two, and that he, he could only give what he had. And so when I started expecting more out of him than what he had, I was the one who always got discouraged. It always affected me. And then when I just realized, I'm not going to expect any more than what he has to give. That's just who he is. He's not going to change a whole lot. And so it, it, helped. It, it, it didn't necessarily help our relationship. We didn't do a whole lot more together. But it helped me not be hurt. Does that make sense? And so I didn't make myself a victim in that set. It's a way to set yourself free and to live free and to be at a greater area of peace. Would you agree? Amen. And so 1 Timothy, I want to walk through this with you this morning. I don't know who that was for, but I felt like I needed to share that right there. 1 Timothy, or excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writing to Timothy says, Therefore, I remember. Mind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying not of my hands. For God has not, excuse me, given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. Amen? So think about this, men. What kind of men does God make? Paul just said he makes fearless men, though we don't always start there. He makes strong men 
even through our weaknesses. He makes loving men by loving us first. And he makes sound men by giving us the foundation of his word to build upon. So whatever God asks us to be, whatever he requires to be as men, God equips us to be that. Amen? And, and in this culture today, I'm just telling you that this message is so important for us today, especially as men. I believe God is raising up a new breed of men again. Great men being raised up. Men that are looking around at what's going on around them say, hey, I'm not going to conform to that. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to stand as what God has called me to be. Praise the Lord. So then Paul gives this amazing charge to Timothy in chapter 2, if you turn over there. And he says, Paul writing to him, and Paul, if you would, Timothy was his spiritual son in the Lord. So he's writing to him as a father, and reading First and Second Timothy is really listening to a father talk to a son in the Lord. And it's really great instruction for all of us to read, even as sons and daughters. Amen? So he says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So think about that. He gives a charge to teach others what Paul had taught him, who in turn would be able to teach others. In this charge, we learn how the Lord's church and families are to propagate and to grow. The church is families. We're here today. Our church is made up of families. Every church is made up of families. Would you agree? And families make up communities. And communities make up a nation. And so the family is vitally important to the foundation and the structure of the health of the church, of the community, and of the nation. Would you agree? So important to understand that. And so why is there such an attack? When you take away, in our culture today, when you take away the foundation of our strength, then you can cause the whole structure to crumble. Because if there is no foundation, there is no structure. And so the, the inevitable thing is a collapse. See, in this charge, we learn how, how, how that happened. By those who are taught teaching others. Whatever you're taught, you're supposed to teach someone else. Many times in life, we, we begin to isolate and we pull back, especially when challenging times come. Well, I don't want to be involved in that. I don't want to be in conflict. You know, I don't want to be a part of that. But God needs men who will take what they've been taught and pass it on to somebody else. Like I said, growing up, I was always amazed. I learned how to play ping pong. We, we lived in a trailer, trailer court in uh, Corte Madera, California from the time I was in sixth grade till I graduated from my sophomore year. And, and there was a retired master sergeant who lived there. And uh, we had a rec room there. And I would go down and he taught me how to play ping pong. It was, but he would spend all kinds of time teaching me and passing time. But he taught me. How to play. So many times we think teaching is a lot of different things, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But I found out that there, were, there was another gentleman there who took me fishing and taught me different things about fishing. And when I go fish today, I always remember, this is that guy who showed me how to do that. And another guy that I worked for, I actually worked for a guy who was a commercial fisherman that lived in the same trailer court. And uh, I worked my, my freshman, between my freshman and sophomore year, I fished commercially with him. He had a 40-foot boat. We, were, we, we, we moored it in Sausalito, and we went out 
out underneath the Golden Gate, went out to Fairlawn Island, we'd fish for a week at a time, catching salmon and that commercially. It was awesome. And he, I mean, he, he shared everything he knew with me. And so I found out that there were men who were willing to pass on what they knew. And that's how this works. That the men, he said, Timothy, what you have been taught, teach to someone else. And God needs men who will rise up today. The foundation of what we know needs to be passed on. Amen. And on this Father's Day, it's so important to understand that. What happens when fathers go out of the home? It causes a weakness in the home. See, the Lord ordained that there would be a continuous cycle of learning and teaching. God's way is the most effective method, but it works only when the right kind of men are to be found. Paul is following the pattern of Christ in calling out men and raising them up to carry the banner of the kingdom forward. As with Moses and Joshua, it is generational. This principle of father passing on to son and teaching son, not just your own personal son, but other son. How many know there are lots of young men, and we have even children in our home, who don't have a, a, a present dad or a father in their life? And they just need. That's where big boys and girls clubs came along, and big brother and big sister came along to be with young men. There's always somebody that is willing to receive what you've learned if you would be willing to pass it on. Could you say Amen. So Moses and Joshua was there, and this is what it is. Sometimes one person leads them out, but another one leads them in. God used Moses to bring them out, but he used Joshua to take them in. And maybe what God used your dad to do will be something different than what you will do for somebody else. But God, that, that cycle is there, and so we want to be men that know how to walk and to flow with that. Look inside your outline. I believe that God still needs faithful men. Faithful men. And that's a chance. We, we live in the day of the great excuse. Do you, have you ever noticed today when you really listen to our society, nothing is anybody's fault. Nobody takes any responsibility or accountability for it. There's always something. Amen. I was dropped. My family was dysfunctional. Every family is dysfunctional. You were dysfunctional when you thought to have kids. That's a thing you Amen. And then after you had one, you said, hey, let's make some more. It could only get better. <laughs> Amen? Well, just teasing. Praise the Lord. But watch this. So what do I? God needs faithful men. What kind of men? Men who are faithful to the Lord. Men who are faithful to the Lord. Just as the Lord himself was faithful, as it says, as Moses was. So the Lord was faithful, and Moses walked in that faithfulness of God, Hebrews 3, 2. He was faithful over all his house. Just as Paul himself was counted faithful. Paul said this, the Lord counted me faithful, placing me in the ministry. God does amazing things through men that he can count faithful. If you'll just say yes with a faithful heart. Men whom the Lord can trust and depend upon. Something happens when God can depend upon us men. And, and, and that's it. Men are men who own up and take responsibility. Amen. All of it. I love my children. I'm so thankful. We are so blessed. And don't misunderstand the jokes I'm making about children and childhood and that. I love my kids with all my heart. I'm blessed. I love all eight of my grandkids. Grandkids are the best. How many could say amen? Amen. Because you get to do whatever you want and send them home. They're the best. Amen. So, but they're loving, and it's just the blessing of the Lord. Amen. But something happens when God finds people he can trust and depend upon. Something happens when there's a man in the home 
that can be trusted and depended upon. It changes the whole fabric and the nature of that house. Would you agree? Faithful and trustworthy men. He also needs men who are faithful to the word. God's looking for men who are faithful to the word, holding fast a pattern of sound words in love and faith. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and look at verses 13 and 14. Paul writing here. He says, Hold fast in the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and the love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. So Paul says they're a faithful thing and hold fast to those things. Cling tight to them. Don't let them slip. That's the challenge of our day, holding fast to the truth. Truth is being challenged on every front in our society today. And God needs men who will rise up and hold fast to what we've been taught. Continuing in the things that we have learned. Look at chapter 3, if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 3. In verses 13 and 14. But evil men, impostors, will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in the things which you have learned and be assured knowing from whom you have learned them. So holding fast. Here's our challenge. When everybody's doing it, when the whole culture and everything is going in that, in that direction... Amen. It, it, it means that you have to be, as I said earlier, you have to be counterculture. And you have the courage, you have to have the courage and the confidence and then the, the, the moral decision to remain faithful to God rooted in your heart. Thirdly, God needs faithful men, faithful to their families and the church. God needs men who are faithful to their families and to the church. It's amazing when you read the qualifications for leadership in the church that God gave in 1 Timothy. He says one of the main criteria is that a man is faithful over his house. And his house is in order. Because the family determines how the church works. Because church works just like family. Hey, everybody just look around for a little bit. These are all your siblings. Amen. This is all family. We're all kids. I, I tell you, Janice and I, we've been working together for so long, uh, talking to Kathy the other day, and, and, and Kathy Carroll, uh, 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 Kathy uh, uh, Saviano has been a part of our life for 32 years. Amen. We've been together in church together longer than either one of us has been with our natural siblings. We've lived together, done life together longer as brother and sister in the Lord. Then we've been Janet and I and that and Don. The, so so we're, we have a stronger family, just as stronger, stronger family. Because family lives in different areas. You grow up, you go to different homes. But we've been in the same house together. This is our house. Are you with me? And so when we understand that, so then all the interaction. As the pastor, I get to deal with all your sibling rivalry. That's what pastoring is. It's just dealing with, I, I have all these kids. I have hundreds of kids. It's the joy of the Lord. It's why I have no hair. <laughs> Amen. But, but, but that, think about it. That's everything. Go, yeah, well, she said, but they said. Yeah, but he said. But they, yeah, but they, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. <laughs> this is good. Amen. So anyway, so watch it. But they're faithful in their families and the church. They start at home and carry on with their brothers and sisters in Christ and carry on with their brothers and sisters in Christ, among whom they serve the Lord on their behalf. 
faithful men in their family, covering their families with grace and serving their brethren like Epaphras did for the church in Colossia. He was a faithful servant. Paul wrote, Epaphras, your faithful servant in the Lord. He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. Something happens when we pray one for another. Amen? And we care and we share the burden one for another just like we do with family. You see, men who value, defend, and cover their homes with love and strength and men whom the local church can trust and depend upon. That's what God needs. He needs faithful men to the Lord, faithful to the Word, and men who are faithful to their families and to God's house. In other words, I like what Gil said. I put this quote in there. It is men who not only who have received the grace of God and are true believers in Christ, but are men of great uprightness and integrity, who having the word of God will speak it out boldly and faithfully and keep back nothing that is profitable, but declare the whole counsel of God without any mixture or adulteration. For the gospel is being, has been committed to their trust. They would become stewards, and of such it is required that they be faithful. And therefore this is mentioned as a necessary and a requisite qualification in them. Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians, he said it's required among stewards that they be found faithful. And God has made a steward, especially men, over his word. Amen. Let me put you like, when we talk about children's ministry, everything's about, everybody thinks about women being in with the kids. But the Bible says the fathers are supposed to teach the sons. Amen. And you'll never, I'm telling you what, never underestimate the value of a man interacting with children. In children's ministry, anything. A role model, a standard. To look up to, to care for. I'll never forget Donnie Moore, a dear friend who passed away, but he was taken to church. He had a man that, that lived in the neighborhood where he lived in Stockton down there. And this man, this one man, taught Sunday school for over 40 years. And he had a station wagon, an old station wagon. He would drive through his neighborhood, he would fill up his station wagon every week with kids. And Donnie Moore went to church. Riding in a station wagon with the man who came to his house and picked him up to take him to Sunday school. And that seed was planted in his heart. And Donnie Moore grew up and ended up answering the call of God upon his, li- uh, call of God upon his life. Preached to over two million students in high schools. Preached the gospel around the world. Impacted our church generationally. Why? Because one man was faithful to his family and faithful to God's house and knew the impact of a man in the lives of children. And multitudes of men were raised up because that man went and ministered to kids. But we live in a society that tells us that's women's work. But it's men's work. Amen? To be that figure. Especially in our day when there are so few fathers in too many homes. I should have got a really big amen right there. Amen. I'll do the Sherwood Carson thing and amen all by myself. Praise the Lord. So watch this. What else does God need? Secondly, God needs teachable men. He needs teachable men. This is a challenge for us today. 
We talked about it yesterday. One of the things that hinders us from being used by God is our male pride. What people are going to think about it? What if I make a mistake? What if I step out? Or then we get up and we have to, that old thing, we're just faking it till we make it. Because we're too proud to ask for help. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I asked if anybody else had a good Father's Day message. This is the only one I got. So watch this. So what does that mean? Teachable men. Men willing to be taught by others. You have to learn to be willing to be taught by others. I'm always asking, how does that work? I always want to learn from somebody else. All the stuff I've learned how to do, many of the skills, I, I'm always, I'm curious. I want, to, I want to know. I want to remain teachable. I want to grow. I want to know. And you never stop learning. Yes, Amen? Amen? I tease about it being in my 60s now. I tell you, I'm as smart as I've ever been. I've never been this smart before in my life. But I want to continue to learn and continue to grow in what I know. There's more that we can learn. Amen? Amen. So unless men are willing to be taught, God's method won't work. Unless men are willing to be taught, his method won't work. Timothy himself provides a good example. Willing first to be taught by his mother and his grandmother as we read. And then willing to go with Paul and be taught by him. Men who are willing to be students first and then teachers. But then understanding, I never want to quit being a student. I want to grow. I want to continue to learn. I want to know the things of God. I want to know things about life. I just want to continue to grow. And then also, secondly, willing to be taught by themselves. Amen. I'll put it like this. If, if It doesn't matter how great of a preacher, how great the sermons are, how great of a ministry you sit under. You will never learn enough listening to somebody else to get you everything you need to know to be victorious in life. There's a place where I have to want to know it for myself. And so the, the, and what that, the way that works is that I hear something that inspires me to go dig in that and learn it for myself. Okay, that's a good word. I received that. I understand that. But now that inspires me to get in and to learn myself. So not only do I need to hear from others, but I also need to learn myself. Self-study is an, impo- is, an, is an important and a vital part of preparing to teach or preparing to lead and to train the next generation. And Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 15. You're there in Timothy, and it just says this. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I'm presenting myself to God, but but I'm willing to study. I want to know. I want to discern the truth. I want to know it for myself. 1 Timothy chapter 4, turn over there if you would. Just a couple pages to your left. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 13, Paul says, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift which is in you and was given you by prophecy with the laying on the hands of the presbytery. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself, to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So Paul says, give, give yourself to these things. And so that's personal application, not just being under, but then diving in for yourself, making personal application. Ezra, if you want to turn to Ezra, I'll turn there and read it for you. Ezra, and uh, right after 2 Chronicles, 
Ezra chapter 7. It says this about Ezra in verses 9 and 10. On the first day of the month, he began his journey from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem according to the good hand of God upon him. I like that. In verse 10, for Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. So before he taught, he prepared his heart. And so that diving in, being taught and teaching myself prepares me to have something to give out to others. Amen? So God needs that. He needs men who are faithful to the Lord, faithful to the Word, faithful to their families, willing to be taught, teaching themselves. I like this. Men who are open and allow others to teach him. Also men who study and desire to know and grow on their own. Or in other words, men who take advantage of every opportunity to learn, whether it be at the feet of someone else or in the privacy of their own study. Amen. I love listening to other people. I love listening to great preaching. I love getting inspiring ideas and thoughts. But I love it even more when I dive in and find something myself. And they go, oh, God, that's, look, and, and then to what I found with the Lord, when you find something, you go, hey, check out what I found. Have you seen this? Did you know that? And then it, it, it creates a momentum in our growth. That means that they love the truth that much. Therefore, they're able to see what God needs and who he needs them to be. But then lastly, God needs teaching men. He's men that aren't just taught, but he needs teaching men. And I could say growing up, how many found out your parents got smarter the older you got? Amen. And then as we grow up, we start dealing with our children and doing that stuff. Then we go back and it seems like the people that that we, we didn't think had it all together, all of a sudden, we need their help and their advice. Amen. So watch this clip on pushing my buttons. I'm telling you, please put on your shoes. Shoes! Where's Grandma? She's inside me, amor. Carrington, you know not to run enough. House! Got your hands full. I love her, but <laughs> she's really been pushing my buttons. I want to show you something. Open it. <laughs> Are these? <laughs> so these are all the times I pushed your buttons. Oh, heck no. There's not a garage big enough to hold that. No, these are the special ones. How did you put up with me? I learned to translate the signals. Huh. Once you got yourself a personality, you got really good at pressing my buttons. Drove me nuts. Most times you were just being a kid figuring out life. 
Like the time you called me up in the middle of the night to pick you up from summer camp. <laughs> yeah, I'm ashamed to admit that it took so long, but that's when I understood that you weren't trying to frustrate me. Sometimes you were pushing my buttons because you were just homesick or scared or lonely or confused or sad. Once I understood the signals, I learned how to appreciate the buttons. Learn our language. Understand the signals. Meet her there. Uh, that sounds hard. <laughs> That's the job, son. Ted, this one's from last week. Yes, it was. So God needs teaching men just like that, willing to teach other men. See, unless men are willing to teach others, God's method doesn't work. Again, Timothy proves as our good example. What he learned from Paul, he was willing to tell others. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Justin and Donnie, if you guys come back, we're going to wrap this up pretty quick. Thank you. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 17, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, says, For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. That's the pattern. Paul took what he knew, handed it down to Timothy, and now Timothy is passing that on. That's God's plan. That's God's plan for us men. That's what God's looking for. Men like that, that can be entrusted, have God's truth imparted into their life for their families and for His church, for your natural family and for your spiritual family. See, there's a reason that God calls us brothers and sisters in Christ. He says we are the family of God. We're part of the household of God. And so when we love and care and nurture one another, the family gets stronger. And so Paul could depend on Timothy to teach others. Teaching others makes one faithful as a minister. Men who don't just keep truth to themselves, <clears throat> but share it with others because they love God and they love people. We share truth just because, I mean, it's not just enough for me to get it for myself. That's our culture again. You need to be counterculture to just getting it for yourself. You live in a culture that says get for yourself, get for yourself, do everything for yourself, make everything about yourself, make everything about you and just your circle or your bubble. God says do everything for others first. 
Everything about God is out of you for others first. And when you find when you do things for others first, it only increases everything you have in your own life. God is so amazing in that way. That's what teaching others does for us. I, I, I share this with people. If you want to grow in the Lord in reading the Bible, read to have something to give. Study to have something to give out to others. Not to get for yourself. I need a word for the Lord. No, you need a word to give from the Lord. God, show me something. God, I'm going to spend some time in your word and your devotion. God, give me something. Holy Spirit, show me something today that I could share with somebody else. Because when God gives them to the way you seal it in your heart and the way you get that down is by giving it away. Trying to sow that seed into somebody else's life. Praise the Lord. So men who are also willing to teach according to their ability. Not everyone serves as a teacher in a formal sense. That's what the scripture teaches us. Not everybody does that. 1 Corinthians 12, 29, are all teachers? No. Ephesians or James 3, 1 says, don't be many teachers. Because teachers have a higher accountability. So I said, okay, that contradicts what you're saying, pastor. No, it doesn't. Ephesians 4, 11 says there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There's five-fold ministry gifts. So there's different capacities, if you would, as form, in a formal sense. But everyone is able to teach others something. A sergeant taught me how to play ping pong. And it meant something to me because I was a child without a father to do that. Are you with me? Another man taught me how to fish and how to, how to use a crawdad trap. Another man taught me different things in commercial fishing. Other men over the years have done other things and taught me so many things. And so, but, and, but some of that is by going to people, but others is by people being willing and open. Because many times people come to us and the opportunity is there. But I went to those men, but they were willing to teach. They were willing to share. They were willing to invest. Men have different abilities. Romans 12 breaks it down. We all have different gifts, abilities, different personality. Even those who serve with their hands can teach others how to do so. Do so. Life skill lessons. Amen. Everything I know about construction, pretty much, I've learned from other men with skills in front of me. I've learned so much from working with Troy. I've learned so much from working with other men. When I learned how to pour concrete, I was blessed. I, I, I had a man, as, when I first went into, into full-time construction like that, I had a man who had 38 years been a cement finisher. He took me aside. I learned things in eight months working for him that people didn't learn in a four-year apprenticeship program. One person investing into your life. Are you listening to me? And, and it became a, li a life skill handed down. I worked for another man. We, we, I, I went from working on that crew, and, the, and then they were building smokestacks there. So, so when the, I went to, on the crew building a 500-foot smokestack on a cogeneration plant. And I just wanted to go up high. I thought that was cool. But I learned so much working for them. And Pete Furby, who was the head of that, just sewed into my life. And things that you never forget. And men who are willing to teach the next generation. That's what God needs today. That's what our nation needs today. That's why today and Father's Day is so important. And why this message is so important to you. Is that you're living in a world. There's just, there is an attack on manhood, on fatherhood, on the home, and the very foundation that God ordained. 
And I don't mean this in a bad way, but everything God does flows out of His men in the earth. I'm sorry, but even woman came from man. And every woman wants a man of God in their life. I could say a lot right there. I'd just save that for another time. But in that area, we want that. Women want men. They don't want another child. That was a very weak amen. I'm trying to help you ladies here. Amen. <laughs> so in that. But we can teach. What does that mean? So you don't have to have your life. What kind of skills do you have? What life skills could you pass on? Basic skills about life. Men who teach by and with skills and abilities they may have. The key is pass it on. Pass it on. Find somebody to impart that to. For our families to be strong, for the gospel to spread and the Lord's church to grow, we need and God needs the right kind of men. Men who are faithful. Men who are teachable. Men who will teach. And in other words, men willing to serve the Lord. Let me close by saying this. This isn't just only for the male gender. The Lord also needs godly women. In this age of gender identity crisis, we need both teaching. Amen. We need both teaching. We need men and women teaching. We need that line defined. Amen. We need it defined. Older women who are willing to teach the younger women. Young women who are willing to learn from them. And women being willing to serve. In whatever way that is keeping with our abilities and God's will, everyone should be both student and teacher. The psalmist said it like this in Psalms 22. He said, a posterity shall serve him. It will, it will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born. This he has done. Psalm 71, 8 says, now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Psalms 145 and verse 4, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Amen? Before we pray, watch this last clip as a thank you to our dad. This is for all the dads who give all they've got and everything they are for their families. You know who you are. Every time you hear the word dad, father, pop, sir, and even hey, you get it. So from all of us, thank you that you crack up. You're always there to open up. You even attempt to pull up. As the world changes around you, you do your best to keep up. You, Dad, hold up. You build us up. You show us what it means to man up. Sign up. And make the time to catch up. And in the most ordinary of days, 
and the most of ordinary circumstances, you take the time to look up and count your blessings. We may not say it enough. We are better because you pray up. Stay up. And as we grow up, you, Dad, choke up. And when we seem to be at our lowest low, you even help us keep our chin up. You're there for the checkup. Hang in there, big guy. And the cleanup. And you take the time to listen up. And read up. So, Dad, thanks. Thanks for sowing love, for teaching right from wrong, for being willing to go the extra mile. You surrendered the comforts of doing things halfway. You prayed for us night and day. You stepped up to be your best many times when we were at our worst. As life goes on, we know there will be troubles in this world, but we won't fear. We will hold our heads high and be of good cheer because you showed us the one who has overcome the world when you showed us Jesus. So, Dad, that's it. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I want all of our dads to join me up here. I want to pray over you this morning. Pastor Tim, would you join me? Come help me. We have Justin just lead us in worship, but we just want to bless all of our dads. Amen. I wish we didn't live in a broken world. I wish we didn't have hurts and heartaches. I wish we didn't have dysfunctional families. I wish we didn't experience brokenness and all those things. I wish every family was perfect. I wish every dad was the best. I wish every dad did everything right. But that's what God's grace is for. (laughs) Amen. That's what His grace is for. And this morning, I just want you to know that no matter what, no matter how you feel about yourself, I've looked at my life and my kids. I look back and I look at all the failures. I watch my kids and how wonderful they are at being parents. And there's times I look at my children and say, man, I wish I would have been like them. They're great parents, loving parents. Looking at my kids raising their kids, a lot of times I see my own faults, things I missed out on, things I made excuses for. But I'm thankful that my faults haven't hindered them. And I want you guys to know that. That God's grace is amazing in that. And we give our best, give what we have, and then God makes up the difference in that. So today I want you to know how much God loves you, how much we appreciate you, how much God affirms us. Amen? Hallelujah. And I want you to keep your hopes up. Keep your hopes up. Because many times as dads, sometimes our children don't always go on the path we want them to go in. 
Sometimes they go astray and then we ask ourselves, God, is that my fault? And we, and, and we kind of beat ourselves up and take blame over that. But you've heard me say it before. This is what I stand on as a father. I'm thankful that God's forgiven me. And through his forgiveness and his love in my life, I also have a covenant with him. And in that covenant, I have the promise that my house will be saved. And I stand on the promise of household salvation. So as a father, I've always chosen not to be moved by what I see in my children. I choose to keep my eyes on the covenant of God. And believe God. God, I'm living for you. Because I'm living for you, my children will be saved. You guys know our testimony. God restored my son after 18 years. Now my son's today is in his church preaching Father's Day in his own church. God's a great God. And he fills up every void in your life. Would you all stretch your hands out here to our dad? Father, today I pray your blessing over your men. God, I pray your strength, your grace, your compassion, your love over them. Father, I thank you for faithful men in your house and faithful men over their houses God I pray you're going to strengthen them equip them Lord I pray today that every one of them would be encouraged God every one of them would feel your grace and your strength covering them Father well enough on the inside of them that they would know how much you love them and how much you've given for them and how much you provide for them to be the men you need them to be in their homes, to their families, to your church, to their community, Father. So I thank you today for these great men. I pray your blessing over them. Father, any area that they carry, God, I thank you that if they carry responsibility, if they feel like any area of failure or lack, Father, I pray your healing grace and forgiveness over them right now, Lord. I thank you that your grace is more than sufficient for us. And I thank you it fills every void where we need your help. So we just give you praise and glory. And Lord, I bless your men today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Now we have a gift for you guys. Yeah, somebody give God a praise. Amen.